Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Good morning. With everyone liking theater, I wish that we had the resources here to act the scripture out today. It would be awesome. (laughs) This is from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Say it with me. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm so glad that Donna talked about acting out the scripture for today because I almost brought my loud clanging crashing cymbals that I keep around at home. You all didn't bring yours in preparation today. Um, so we'll just uh, start with a game instead, if that works for everyone. So we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, uh, the arts and theology first, but I want to play a game to begin with. And so we're going to show you some things on the screen. And the point of the game is I want you to figure out if the sentence that you are seeing and hearing is a Bible verse or a song lyric. Now here's the thing, some of you have studied the Bible a lot more than I have, so I had to make it a little bit more challenging, so just know that the Bible verses are in Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation. Okay, are we ready for the game? Kids, are you ready? This is a really good one for y'all too. All right, so first one, I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. Now, raise your hand if you think it is a song lyric. Raise your hand if you think it's a Bible verse. This is Lamentations 3.20. All right, let's try the next one. A world of never-ending happiness where you can always see the sun, day or night. Raise your hand if you think it's a Bible verse. Raise your hand if you think it's a song lyric. Anybody ever heard of Prince? This is Let's Go Crazy. I did not include the part about purple bananas because that would give it away. All right, the next one. Your actions speak louder than your words. Raise your hand if you think it's a Bible verse. Raise your hand if you think it's a song lyric. I have any directioners in the house? This is One Direction, gotta be you. All right, the next one. Pray that everything will turn out all right. Song lyric, Bible verse, ooh, it's Jeremiah 4.11. 
I need to go home and read your Bible. Uh, all right, the next one. Have you ever seen anything like this? Ever seen pain like my pain? Seen what he did to me? Bible verse? Song lyric? It's Lamentations again. Lamentations 112. All right, this one. I had a dream I can't get out of my mind. Bible verse? Song lyric? Y'all, it's Daniel 2, 3. All right, here we go. Close your mouth and open your heart. Bible verse? Song lyric? Some of y'all hadn't listened to Elvis in a while. This is a little more, a little less conversation. All right, can you practice what you preach? Song lyric? Bible verse? Folks, this is Black Eyed Peas. Where's the love? Some of y'all need to spend more time on TikTok. All right, this one's a personal favorite of mine. Don't let him fool you. He can't save you. Song lyric? Bible verse? Some of y'all are catching on. This is 2 Kings 18.29. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? Bible verse? Song lyric? Hamilton fans? Yes. That's from It's Quiet Uptown. All right, and uh, this one's a personal favorite. You'll find out what it's like to get drunk and wake up with nothing. Song lyric? Bible verse? Yeah, this is Lamentations. Lamentations is just where I was hanging out this week. Lamentations 421. And this one, you'll find to everything. Turn, turn, turn. There is a season. Turn, turn, turn. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant. A time to reap. A time to kill. And a time to heal. Bible verse. Song lyric. It's both because I'm a mean pastor. Yes. Some of you ever heard a turn, turn, turn by the birds. Now, that's a silly game to start with, but this idea is the basis for our focus this morning. As our students and our teachers have gone back to school, like David said, we've been in this series where we've been looking at the core subjects that we all have studied and seeing where we can find God in these classes, where these things form what we think and what we say about God, which is that really fancy big word you can use at your next cocktail party called theology. It just means what we think and say about God. And so when we were dreaming this sermon series, literally I'm pretty sure it was a year ago when David said, yeah, it might be cool if we did this. I said, oh, I want dibs on the arts. Because the arts have been a part of my life actually since I was born. So I'm going to tell a very embarrassing story in front of the entire congregation but now that we're streaming, thanks COVID, it's going to be on the internet forever. So just know, I'm, I'm going to that level for you all today. When I was a baby, and I was hardly crawling, I, uh, my parents would turn on this thing, maybe you've heard of it, called the radio. Um, we didn't just have them in cars, we had them in our houses. Um, they would turn on the radio, and if I was crawling, I would stop when I heard the music, and I would like shake my whole body. Um, and I earned the nickname Boogie. And to this day... I could call my Nana right now in this moment, and she would answer the phone and say, Hey, Boogie, what's up? Yeah, uh, really great that we all know that now. Uh, <laughs> but the arts didn't stop with my embarrassing family nickname in my life. 
I attended uh, the greatest elementary school in the entire world. It's called Milam Elementary School, and it's on the south side of town in Odessa, Texas. And from kindergarten to sixth grade, I participated in ballet, tap, jazz, choir, plays, musicals, all while being classically trained on the violin in a public school on the wrong side of town. My journey through the arts continued well into junior high and high school when I excelled at music on the viola and the oboe, and I even tried out for the state level on both of my instruments my senior year. I got to play symphony pieces that professionals use for their audition material. And all of this while memorizing lyrics to musicals and belting them out loud in between practices. I learned that there was a process to the music that is played in the background of your video games, and we actually played a couple of those in some concerts. And I found myself mesmerized by poetry when I heard it. Just like my life, the arts have been a part of human history since the beginning of time. We know that there are cave paintings that were present during the Stone Age. If you've been to Egypt, you've seen uh, the Great Pyramids, which served a functional purpose, but tell me those aren't an incredible work of art. There's records from the Middle Ages of a knight's reputation being ruined if he couldn't sing well. Chant music was one of the earliest pieces ever written, and it was written specifically for church. The introduction of opera in the Baroque period, which, by the way, most operas are inspired by another piece of art, Greek mythology. Ragtime jazz and blues music, which came out of black communities during the height of the civil rights movement. And all of that led to what we now kind of call in our postmodern area, I kind of call it a non-conforming personal artwork. There's something for everyone. There's not one type that we all listen to. Psalm 150, which um, Donna read for us at the beginning and did not act out for us, so maybe next time. (laughs) But it points to all kinds of musical instruments being used to communicate praise and adoration of God. Right? The trumpet, the harp, the tambourine, the strings, the pipe, and don't forget those clashing, clanging cymbals. And, because we're good Methodists, it's important to mention that the psalm does mention it's okay to dance in praise to God. Art education is really important for the developing brain. And it should be taught as early as, as, early as elementary school because of the benefits that the arts gives to students. Arts teaches creative, problem-solving skills. Students learn how to set a goal, how to have um, hard work, and any musician will tell you, practice, practice, practice. The arts has challenges to offer to all learners of all levels. Even the masters who play downtown Dallas at the Meyerson still have skills that they are working and learning and practicing. The arts gives us connections to other academic disciplines. I'm convinced that the best way to learn about sound waves is to hold a violin and pull a string of hair on a string of wire and hear sound waves go out. 
When you look at paintings from history, you know what was going on and what influenced culture at the time. And arts can help us experience other cultures that we may never get the chance to understand firsthand. Marissa Waldrop is in the room, and her favorite thing in the entire world is K-pop, right, which is this abbreviation for Korean pop music. Poor Marissa's so embarrassed I just singled her out. But Marissa gets to appreciate a whole other culture that she may not get to know by participating in the arts. Now get this too, students who participate in the arts are four times more likely to obtain some kind of academic achievement outside of the arts. They are four times more likely to win a math or science fair or receive an award for an essay or a poem. Students who participate in the arts have fewer disciplinary infractions, higher attendance, higher graduation rates, and much higher test scores. The psalm that was read for us concludes with the line, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The psalmist encourages us to praise God, but not just some of us who are good at singing, all of us. And listen, I've heard some of y'all sing. Some of y'all are the clashing cymbals, and that's okay. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's our job to appreciate the beauty and the creativity and all of the ways in which human persons are gifted differently for the arts. From Bach to Banksy to Beyonce, people have been inspired across generations. From Da Vinci to Dillis Tommen to Dolly Parton, generations have stood in awe of the arts. And from Shakespeare to Stephen Stoddenheim to even Snoop Dogg, we have seen pieces of the fullness of God through the arts. I've spent a lot of the last few years really digging into this theological concept and even letting it inform my spiritual practice. What do the arts bring to theology? Talk, God talk, theology. And I love telling this story about the first time this really happened. So. I grew up in Odessa, Texas. Now, to get from here to Odessa, you sit on I-20 for six hours. There's no turns. There's really nothing to look at once you get out of the Metroplex area. You just drive in a straight line until you hit my backyard. It's a very riveting drive, especially when you're by yourself, right? So, to entertain myself when I'm driving, and I can't believe I'm admitting this from the pulpit as well, I uh, put on shows for myself by singing to music as loud as I possibly can in the car. And no, you are not allowed to come with me on any of these trips. Uh, so uh, one of the times I was traveling home and I had just seen it, my 21st birthday, I had just seen the musical Jersey Boys. Which does anybody know what the musical Jersey Boys is about? Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, yes. Okay, so in my show that I was putting on in my car, I was um, attempting to sing along with Frankie. Easier said than done. Uh, and I was, I was driving down the road and I was singing along and I was belting out really, really, really loud. And I didn't stop the car, but I did stop singing. And I stopped and I said, oh, that's God. It's a Frankie Valley song. These are the words that it said. 
When tears are in your eyes and you can't find the way, it's hard to make believe you're happy when you're gray. When you're feeling like you will never see the morning light, come to me and you'll see who loves you. The arts bring so many wonderful things to how we think and how we talk about God. And while I could go on for hours and hours and hours on all of the things I've noticed over the past couple years, there are three lessons I want us to take today from the arts and how we might apply them to theology. So the first is this. The arts teach us how to better listen, admire, and respect the things we do not understand. I'm going to say it one more time. The arts teach us how to better listen, admire, and respect things we do not understand. You heard uh, from my story earlier that I grew up primarily experiencing the music side of the arts. And while I am a very artistic person, there are still some paintings out there that just confuse me. I'm the one that uh, when I go to the art museum, I have to spend time, I'm really annoying to go to art museums with because I read every description. I'm going to pay the $15 for the little uh, audio tour that they're going to give you because you get all kinds of extra things that they tell you that help you better understand what in the world you are looking at. Sometimes I've even uh, had to revisit pieces of art that I maybe didn't understand earlier in life or even last week that I have a new understanding. Some of you might find that classical music is great for nap time and not quite something you like to engage with, right? But how many of you have ever sat in a symphony and heard the story about why the composer wrote the song that they wrote and heard it so differently? A couple of us I saw on Facebook this week uh, went and saw Wicked at Dallas Summer Musicals this week. Does Wicked make any sense if you don't know the story of The Wizard of Oz? You have to know the story behind what's going on in front of you to better understand it. You can't jump up in the middle of a poetry reading and critique the poet's performance, right? You have to keep listening out of respect for the work that they've done. Barbara Brown Taylor is an ordained Episcopal priest who has written a lot of really great books and has a really great podcast that I recommend, but she wrote a book titled Holy Envy, Finding God in the Faith of others. And she tells this story about the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. If you don't remember this story, this is when um, all the people of earth spoke the same language and they decided that they wanted to be like God. And so they were going to build a tower to reach up to God. And in the story, God gives human people the different languages that we speak. And so Barbara Brown Taylor, when she interprets this, I think it's easy to see this story and go, oh my goodness, God is so mean, God confused us. I think God gave us a gift in that. God decided that it would be good if human beings 
spoke a diversity of languages so that we would slow down and work harder to understand one another. Friends, we have to revisit concepts and people and ideas to understand them. We need to know the story behind the person that's in front of us so that we can hear what they are saying more clearly. And we can't jump up and critique one another in the middle of what we're saying. We can't be thinking about how we're going to critique one another in the middle of what we are saying. But just like you would with a poet or a symphony you don't understand, we must sit and listen to the entire performance, the entire of what somebody is saying in order to understand their work and in order to respect what they have done. Engaging with the arts helps us better listen, admire, and respect things we do not understand. The second lesson that I think we can take from the arts is this. There is something for every feeling. There are all kinds of art to engage with, with every feeling. If I speak specifically maybe on my experience with you, I can tell you that in this moment, I have 65 playlists on Spotify that are carefully curated for all moods, feelings, memories, and moments in life. And maybe if that doesn't hit home for you, think about this. There are hymns and songs that we sing in here on Sunday mornings that feel very different when we sing them at a funeral. There are happy love songs that maybe you listen to with a significant other and it's fun and it's exciting, but if there's a really painful breakup, that song's not so fun anymore. There are songs that remind us of the loved ones that have passed on before us. There are songs that make us all laugh, and there are songs that make us get up and dance, whether we're in a crowded bar or at a wedding or a party. There are songs that help us feel understood when we are angry. There are songs that ground us when we feel afraid. There are songs that we listen to that comfort us, maybe when it's raining outside and you get a cup of tea and you wrap yourself in a warm blanket. And there are songs that when it's sunny outside and you want to roll down your windows and do your best impression of me driving home singing as loud as you possibly can. Music is something that we visit time and time again. You don't just listen to one song and then never listen to it again because there's always something new that we find. I'm starting to see the Bible this way. The Bible is not something that you read once and never revisit. In fact, the Bible was not put together and authored so that it would only have one thing to say at one point in history or even one time in your life. The Bible doesn't have the exact map for every solution to every problem that I have, but what I'm learning, what I'm seeing in the Bible right now is the Bible reminds me about the number of possibilities that can happen in this life. There are scripture passages that we read and hear on Sunday mornings, or hopefully maybe you read at home during the week, 
that feel very different when we read them at a funeral. There are happy passages and stories in the Bible that might um, give us uh, life at one point, but might be painful to read later. There are verses or stories in the Bible that remind us of the loved ones that have passed on before us. There are Bible stories that make us laugh. The Bible has some absurd things in it. And there are Bible stories that cause us to have great, fruitful discussions with our small groups and our friends. There are Bible passages that remind us of laughter and sunny days, comforting verses that feel like a cozy, warm blanket. There are things in the Bible for the moments of questioning, the moments of extreme anger, the moments of higher levels of anxiety than normal and worry. There is something for every feeling. And the Bible reminds us that there are so many possibilities in this life, but don't miss this. In all of those possibilities in the Bible, the one constant that is always there is God. There is something for every feeling. The third and final lesson for us to take from the arts is this. Even the worst mistakes can be woven into a different purpose. Any artist will tell you that their craft likely took years of learning and studying and practicing, practicing, practicing. And it's pretty inevitable that even with all of that practice, in a performance, something will still go wrong. Musicians, yes? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes there's a brushstroke that went the wrong way you didn't want it to. The poem that you intended to write isn't the poem that you ended up with. Or, musicians, sometimes you play a wrong note. A couple of years ago, I went to see this production of Hairspray that was down at the Windspear, and uh, there's this scene where there's two characters singing a very important love song to one another, but one character is in a jail cell. And at the end of the song, the guy is supposed to heroically, I don't even know how it's supposed to happen, get her out of the jail cell, woohoo, big moment, they're in love, great. So when I went and saw this production of Hairspray, they're singing the part of the song that's like, I'm locked in this jail cell, and wouldn't you know it that the prop broke and the door went whoosh and swung open while still singing, I'm locked in this jail cell, I can't get out. And so whether it was... And everyone knew, okay? Like, there was no hiding that this wasn't supposed to happen. And so the guy who's on the outside of the jail cell, in a brilliant moment of improvisation that I will never have as a preacher, sang the entire love song like this, with his foot on the door. And then he would switch it to his hand, and he would be very dramatic, and he was singing. And at the end, I've never seen a standing ovation in the middle of a musical before. Oh, but we were on our feet. It was some of the most, he really, he sang an entire song like this. Y'all, that takes some yoga or Pilates or something. From the first service, they told me that I should do this entire part of the sermon like this. I can't, sorry. <laughs> but it was a mistake that actually turned into something 
very entertaining. And we all loved it. When I was a kid and I was learning violin, we were not allowed to call wrong notes wrong notes. We had to call them passing notes. And the definition of a passing note is a passing note is maybe not in the key that it's supposed to be in, but if you've ever seen a good fiddle player in a country band, if they hit a wrong note, you know what they do? Just slide it up to the right one. And it makes a pretty cool musical effect that you can pretend is totally intentional. The Bible is full of stories that God uses people's passing notes. God uses people's broken props for good and glorious work. Our psalm today is Psalm 150, and King David is the likely author of most of the psalms. This is the same David that when he was a little pipsqueak, courageously slayed a giant Goliath with five smooth stones from the river. This is the same David that after being crowned king, decides that what he wants is more important. And he has an affair with Bathsheba and kills her husband. King David's passing note didn't get in the way, though. Because if you go to the New Testament and you read about the genealogy of Jesus, does anybody know what they call Jesus? Son of David. David's wrong note, David's broken prop does not get in the way of God finding the way to stand there with God's foot on the jail cell so that the mistake is turned into something more entertaining. God takes David's wrong note and just slides it on up and makes it a passing note. God helped David turn his mistakes into better things. And so don't miss, don't miss this. God does not give up on you, even in your worst broken props, wrong notes, passing notes. God does not give up on you, even in your worst mistakes. He's a punk rocker. His name is Brandon Boyd, and if you know him, I would be shocked. Uh, but Brandon Boyd once said, art is everywhere, and everywhere is art. And after that day, driving down the road that I was reminded who loves me through Frankie Valley, I started looking for the ways in which I might see God in the arts. And so as a challenge, I would love for you all to start looking the ways, for the ways in which you can see God in the arts. Where is God in the music of Taylor Swift? I promise, I promise it's in there. Or maybe if you're not into my girl Taylor, where is God in the music of the Eagles? Witchy woman is not one of them, just to be clear. Where is God in the films that we watch? Where is God in the poems that we hear or that we write? Where is God in the great works of da Vinci, but also in the creations that the children in this room are maybe making right now? 
So in closing, if I might borrow from Mr. Boyd's quote and offer up a slight change, God is everywhere, and everywhere is God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ways in which you show up through Prince, Elvis, Frankie Valli, and so many other artists. We thank you for the things that you reveal about yourself to us in music and art and poetry and theater and martial arts. God, help us as we expand our horizons, as we look for you in the arts. God, I pray that this group of people might be overwhelmed by what they see about you in the arts. God, we love you. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.